0: Welcome to Dragon Ball Super Dope. My name is Kyle. Thank you for checking this out. Very special episode today. And by very special, I mean uh, this, this episode has been in development for about three and a half years. A lot of time has, uh, a lot of time has passed. Uh, you will know her as the voice of Bulma from Dragon Ball. Rappi from My Hero Academia. Two properties we cover heavily here on Super Dope. Welcome, Monica Rial. How are you? Hello,
1: I'm good, Kyle. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that this finally worked out. <laughs> Thank you for being patient. <laughs> no, of course.
0: I mean, I think super dope listeners for a long time will like know that I, I kind of uh, alluded to the possibility we were going to chat, but that was, uh, I think, 2019. So, like, Broly hadn't even dropped yet. And uh, about three or four months uh, before everything happened, we'll, we'll just <laughs> allude to it like that for now um we'd met at a convention we chatted it up for a bit and i talked to you about coming on super dope to talk about the characters of bulma and uh Froppy a little bit which we we're gonna do today uh mm-hmm. but then things got a little sticky in the uh dragon ball online world and uh you said hey uh probably not right now like this isn't yeah. a good time i don't want to bring this kind of heat down on you so i'm happy that it actually worked out
1: me too yeah it was one of those things where i'm like i would love to do that i just don't know that right now is the time and then of course COVID hit so i feel like you and i are we're just fighting against the world to try and make this happen so i'm glad it finally is happening because oh my word thank you for being so incredibly patient
0: no thank you for taking the time uh i super of pre- course super appreciate it so um the the way in which we kind of reconnected to talk today it was about a month ago, you and Jamie Marchi released a podcast uh, called In Touch. I listened to the first episode uh, last week. And I know that you um, allude to this on the you know inaugural episode. If you want to check it out, there's a link in the show notes. Um, but it's a show that largely encompasses what that experience was like with Vic and the lawsuit. And it's kind of like your side of the story. For so long, you kind of had to be quiet about it. And now that things are said and done, you can kind of give your side your perspective. So given all the online harassment that you faced back then, I have to ask, like, what was the thought process for you guys to determine that now was the best time to launch the podcast? Like, what makes you even want to launch a podcast like that?
1: That's a good question. I think for us, you know, we have very competent lawyers and they were like, please do not talk about it. But we knew from the beginning, like we were told before we were sued that if we did not go with their way of thinking, that there would be a, a social media campaign against us. Like we knew that they were going to target us, they were going to try to turn us into these horrible monsters. We just didn't realize the scope that they were going to go for. Like sure. they were really going for like mutually assured destruction. And I think Jamie and I were like, we're good people. We told the truth, like, surely that will come through, but we didn't realize the power of misinformation. Um, And it's just right now, you know, it's in appeals, it's been in appeals for a very long time. Um, And we started talking because we saw so much ridiculous misinformation coming through, and we still get harassed to this day about stuff that isn't even true or correct. So we thought, well, we're not going to change anybody's mind, right? The people that have made their minds up, they've made their minds up. But we can at least talk about our experiences. And the whole thing is not about bashing the plaintiff. It's not about bashing him in any way, shape, or form. It's more about our experiences being sued. Why this lawsuit was ridiculous in the first place and had no warrants, like no, no bearing really. Um, and the harassment. And we wanted to talk because. Online, you see a lot of people dealing with harassment, right? Especially victims, um, and watching what they have to deal with. Especially some of the more famous people, like you see Lizzo getting, um, you know, harassed to the point where she'll leave Instagram, or you know, these big names. And we realize like this is a conversation that needs to be had. Like just because somebody says their truth and you don't agree with it, does not give you the right to harass them. Like just let people be people. So we wanted to create a space that not only went over for our fans and people that were interested, our experiences, but also giving victims a place to to hear two people talk despite the harassment. It's not that we're not being harassed anymore. We're still being harassed. But now it's kind of like, OK, well, I'm still going to speak my truth. And I hope that I inspire others to continue to speak their truth and stand up to the bullying, because that's really what it is, is it's bullying. and. Um, you know it's just it gets to a point where you're like i need to do something i need to put it out there because a lot of these videos do live on youtube and a lot of our young folks that's where they get their news and so they'll watch a youtube video and believe it without doing any research on their own and you know so i've had a lot of concerned really young kids like 13 14 that shouldn't be dealing with this right and having to explain the situation and talk with parents too and so for us it just felt like the right time. And also we wanted our fans to know that we weren't like oh woe is me, my life is awful, I'm being harassed. At this point it's like yeah I'm being harassed, but you know what? I'm going to continue to live my best life and if that means it's going to be me and my best friend like laughing about it and because that's the thing too is when you face a situation that's traumatic like that sometimes the best way to heal is to talk about it and to laugh about it and so for us, it was kind of like, let's be informative, but at the same time, create this safe space where people feel like they can find their voice, and use it.
0: So there were a couple of things that you hit on in there that I just kind of wanted to highlight or underline for people who haven't had the opportunity to check out your podcast yet. Uh, sure. We talked about it a little bit before we hit record. After I listened to that first episode, what I liked about Uh, the show in general is just the dynamic between you and Jamie. Uh, You guys talk about it a couple of times throughout the podcast episode. You know, people have uh, made the allegations that you're co-conspirators and blah, 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 like all sorts of things. But you say it throughout the episode, like you guys have just genuinely been really good friends over the, you know, most of the last two decades. And it really comes across when you're listening to it. It does feel like you're hanging out with two good friends who are, you know, have like this, mutual misery in a lot of respects, and they have to, um, you know, laugh about it. So that way they don't kind of lose their sanity about it. Sometimes it's like, even though this is a ridiculous set of circumstances, we just gotta, you know, accept it for what it is and just yeah, I don't, continue to live and kind of, um, I don't know, empower ourselves by being able to not only like conforming give good information about what actually happened, but also just have a good laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing too, that you said that If people haven't listened to the show, they could very easily think to themselves, um, wow, they made a whole podcast just ripping on the plaintiff. That's that's weird. And that's so not what it's about. Like, obviously, we have to reference him in passing during those conversations. But even when you do, you guys genuinely come across as people who are like concerned for a guy that you used to work with who's got a lot of issues going on. You know, I'm not a psychologist, whatever. Um, But you guys talk about it even given the circumstances, with some level of compassion. So um, I just kind of want to highlight that. But um, if again, if if you haven't listened to it, uh, Super Dope Listener, go check it out. There's a link in the show notes. I do want to ask you, though, about the the future of the podcast. So yeah. um, you guys did like a very breakda- uh, thorough breakdown of the timeline in uh, all the legal proceedings and things like that. Um, what can we expect for future episodes? Do you think this is going to be like a limited run series? I'm always in podcast producer brain mode. So I'm curious to know what the structure will be.
1: We, um, our plan at this point is to continue to go through documents and events and talk about our perspective in it um, and kind of point out the things that make it ridiculous (laughs) because there's quite a few things that happen along the way that we're, Uh, dramatic and and very silly. So we intend to point those things out. Um, We have some guests that we want to have on, like some lawyers and some different victims' rights advocates and people like that that we'd like to have on and talk. So eventually we will run out of court documentation. And then our goal is just to kind of focus more on the giving a voice to victims and giving them a safe place to talk. So at that point, we'll probably open it up to a broader spectrum, talking a little bit more about online harassment and and how to deal with it and being doxxed and what that means um, and take it from there and see where that takes us. We definitely have enjoyed doing it. Um, Jamie moved to El Paso not that long ago, so we don't get to hang out in person as much. So this has become our outlet to not only do something productive, but also get to hang out. So we will definitely continue with it.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm excited to see uh, when the next episode drops and what else we can expect, because I'm glad that you also have like a long term plan in mind to like sort of pivot to kind of the more, you know, giving your platform to more general awareness of what you're trying to, uh, you know, the cause that you're trying to support, um, the information you're trying to give. So uh, for people to just be like, hey, this is a show just about this. How weird to them. I say, please shut up. You know, this is. (laughs) I'm excited to see the future of the show for sure. I'd love to see like what it looks like in two years or something like that. You know,
1: we are too. We're really excited about the, the prospect. Um, We didn't realize that there was going to be such a a market for this type of podcast. Um, We were talking earlier before we started recording, like we've had people reach out to us and say, I want to be a part of this. I don't know what this court case is about, but I love what you're doing. I love this idea of speaking up and encouraging others to speak up regardless of harassment. So it's really exciting to see where it goes. You know, at this point, it's kind of up in the air, but we're enjoying it. And I guess that's all that matters, right?
0: That's true. <laughs> that's very true. Um, okay. So I'm glad that we were able to talk about that up front, because yes. like I said, three and a half years ago, none of this had happened yet. So I originally put together some questions that were, I mean, this is a Dragon Ball based show, obviously, right. than the name. Um, and Bulma is one of my absolute favorite characters uh, in Dragon Ball, probably of like of all time. So it really is cool being able to talk with you about her as a character. But before we move into the Bulma specific questions, uh, you know, in the off season since Dragon Ball Super has gone off the air, I don't like to cover like too many other animes, but for whatever reason, My Hero Academia really got its hooks in me, and I'm so emotionally invested in that show. And we covered, I think. Seasons four and five on the podcast. So I want to, I want to ask you about one of my favorite characters and what I feel is a very underappreciated character in froppy. So she's been such like a strong emotional compass. I feel during the the run of the show and she's got a a few different examples like them begging not uh, her begging them not to go rescue Bakugo when he gets captured um, respecting the laws of the heroes and, the perspective she gains during her time doing her internships and things like that. But like from the jump, Froppy is shown as one of the most capable students in the class In the USJ incident when she like rescues everybody in that boat war zone area. And I'm like, how is this girl not the lead of the show? Like she's so kick ass. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts or like, uh, perspective on on why you feel she's like uh, maybe not highlighted more or respected enough what what are your thoughts on froppy not getting the respect she deserves
1: i mean i i first of all i love her and doing this voice is one of my favorite things like ever <laughs> ribbit i <laughs> ribbit <laughs> i will say um at the conventions it's been really great cuz i never thought there would be a character that outsold bulma right Bulma, she's got so much merch. People are constantly like, Bulma, Bulma, Bulma. Robbie, Robbie came along and it was just like, you have all ages. A lot of the Dragon Ball fans are My Hero fans, or we have a lot of families where the parents are Dragon Ball fans, but the kids are into My Hero and there's some cross-pollination there. Um, I adore her as a character. I love that the two filler episodes were basically about her and her work study with Selkie, um... I love that her design, it appeals to children. Like as a Dragon Ball voice actor, we get a lot of adults and sometimes, you know, their kiddos will come along, but mostly it's adults that we're talking to. And this fun thing happened with my hero where all of a sudden my lines at conventions were adults and then baby, 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 (laughs) babies. And I'm like, where is this coming from? And there's this fascination with Suyu. A lot of kids like frogs. There's something about her design, the fact that she is so spectacular and she does so many awesome things. Um, So having this new group of fans that are these teeny little, it's just so adorable. Um, I think that she is quite possibly, and this might be a little biased, uh, (laughs) one of the strongest, you know, potential pro heroes on the show. Um, I think that, you know, she's been in the background. I hope that as things progress, that we'll get a little mo- bit more backstory on her, maybe to get to meet some of our family, because I would really love for my sister to come play as Suyu's sister. That would be really cool. That would be awesome. Uh, right? I've already told Colleen, I was like, if Suyu has a sister, please audition my sister, because that would be a <laughs> lot of fun. Um, and she's a voice actress. Uh, but I adore her in the sense that she... I connect with her on so many levels, right? She will do anything for her friends. She is so about protecting her friends and taking care of her friends, but she's also about standing up for what's right, regardless of what her friends think. And there's just especially after the last three years, if if anybody can identify with something like that, it's me. And being able to portray that that innocence and and yet at the same time, she's so fierce. Like one of my favorite moments was in the, I think it was Heroes Rising, not the most recent movie, but the movie before. You know, usually they try to keep the girls in there, but when the when the boys go to do the big fight, usually the girls are kind of left behind or they're busy evacuating people or whatever. And I was so excited because, you know, you had Todoroki and and Ida and, and I think Bakugo was in there and they were going to fight this guy. And he's right there. And she doesn't leave. She's right there in the action with all of them. And I was like, yes, that's so cool. Because Bulma and Sue, I think, are two really great role models. And I love that seeing her out there fighting with the boys and showing like, it doesn't matter that I'm a girl or a frog. I'm out here fighting and doing the same as everybody else. Um, I'm really excited to see where she goes because I think she has so much potential I know she's going to be a pro hero and I know she's going to be a great pro hero. It's just a matter of when. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Exactly. And in the meantime, she's just kind of playing those pivotal roles from season to season being like the, uh, the emotional truth for everybody, like kind of resets everybody within this world when things get a little too crazy. She's like, Hey guys, there are rules that we have to abide by. We have to respect each other, do these things. Otherwise what are we doing this hero thing for?
1: Exactly. I love that about her. I do too. And I also love that she's got a little bit of sass. You know, she's not afraid to tell people what she thinks, um, especially with Bakugo. And I I love with Clifford Chapin, like talking about their, their little back and forth, because she'll call Bakugo out and be like, okay, you're, you're being a jerk right now. Like you need to calm it down. Nobody likes you. Like, let's be nice. You know, <laughs> <laughs> So she's just, I can't imagine. Um, playing anybody else in that show like she has just become my absolute heart and being able to do that i'm telling you this voice is so much fun to do and the fans have figured out how to do it and they'll come up and do it for me and it's just it's so much fun i yeah. i love
0: that show my nieces do that voice pretty well like, I- they love <laughs> my niece abigail and eva love to imitate that voice so
1: i uh, love it you
0: certainly left your mark with Froppy.
1: Well, thank you. I will apologize if you hear mewing. My cat has suddenly realized that I am in my studio.
0: Hello, kitty cat.
1: Desperately wants in.
0: (laughs) No, it's totally cool. If the cat meows, the cat meows. People know now. (laughs) So, uh, Froppy, excellent. I'm glad that we got to touch on her a little bit. I am very excited for the next season of My Hero. Although, from what I hear, it doesn't seem like they've got a, a ton left in terms of the manga. So... I guess what we'll see what to. I will see what that translates to for the anime. A couple of years ago, I thought it was the type of show that could go for like the next twenty years, and they'd you know still have plenty of of ground to cover. But apparently, Horikoshi does not feel that way.
1: <laughs> right. So we'll have to wait and see. It's kind of one of those things. Like, what happens? Are we going to go on a hiatus and let the manga catch up, like some anime do, or is that it? Like, yeah. I'd hate to think that that's it. I really, uh, you get so attached to these characters that you, you know, perform for years that, um, the day I have to say goodbye to see you, is going to be a very sad day.
0: Not looking forward to it. (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) There's a a kind of a nice segue there. Uh, characters that you spent a long time with, uh, Oma Oma from Dragon Ball, uh, Z super Kai, uh, all sorts of things. I want to transition into that now, but, Sure. It's worth uh, you know, pointing out you're not the original Bulma. You took over for Tiffany Vollmer when you voiced Bulma in Curse of the Blood rubies. So that's 2010 when you take over for Tiffany. Now you're an industry veteran at that point. You've got a million and one anime credits that we could, you know, do like several different podcast episodes about, I'm sure. But you're also taking over for like a fan favorite and another industry veteran in Tiffany Vollmer. So How did it come about? Like, how did they approach you to take over for her? And uh, did you feel like any apprehension on replacing a fan favorite like that?
1: Well, I actually started with Kai and then Curse of the Blood Ruby's kind of like snuck in there in the middle.
0: (laughs) Got it. Maybe it was like a release date that has me out of whack here. So I apologize for that.
1: Yeah. No, it's not your problem. Um, It was a release date thing. So I auditioned. It was the weirdest thing. Um, I didn't know. What I was auditioning for, I just got this call from Christopher to come up to the studio. And um, I have been a huge fan of Bulma because my brother, we're from Spain. And back in the day, we would go visit our grandparents and he would wake up early and there was all this anime on television. And so he does not speak Spanish very well. So he would wake me up and have me translate everything for him live. Um, excuse me. So I always joke that I voiced everybody in Dragon Ball Z before I was ever even a part of Dragon <laughs> Ball Z because I would have to sit there and be like, okay, he says, I'm going to beat you up. And he says this. Um, and my brother became fascinated. He got every manga he could find and everything. And back then, <clears throat> excuse me, before the internet was a big deal, it took about three years for things to come from Europe to the States. So we had a good two and a half years before Dragon Ball made its way stateside. And I went, my gosh, it's that show. And I remember him watching it on television and I bought him like a Dragon Ball set for his room. And like, it was just so surreal to have it be such a big part of my life. Um, So when I went into audition and this picture of Bulma pops up, my initial instinct was just, am I in the right place? Like, what is going on here? What's (laughs) happening? and so then chris starts telling me about the character and i know about the character but i don't want to be like ah no i know i'm sitting there just like uh huh uh huh okay and i auditioned and at the time like i i don't know why other than i know that tiffany had moved um and that there were production schedule you know concerns um but at the time it was kind of like i, I this is a huge Thing that you have placed in my hands um so there was trepidation at first like oh am I going to do this am I going to give Bulma the voice that is 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 worthy of her um are the fans going to be okay with the fact that I'm not Tiffany um there's so many things going through my mind and at that point I was like I would be Remiss to just kind of pass this opportunity up for all I knew at that time. It was just for dragon ball kai So i'm like this is an opportunity. I may never get again I love this character, you know, but what I did do is I went back and watched a lot of dragon ball z and watched tiffany's performance so that I would make sure that when I did get in the booth I was able to pay homage especially in that first half of kai um to her performance so that it wouldn't be ridiculously jarring, I didn't want people to watch it and go, "Oh my god, that's a completely different human. What is happening here?" Um, so I tried to pay homage to her in that first season to kind of help gloss it over it. But it was it was difficult and it was scary. Um, and I remember in the beginning being terrified of going to conventions because I'm like, "What's going to happen? Like, are people going to be okay? Are they going to they going to beat me up? Like, what's going to happen?" So. Yeah, there was in the beginning, it was very scary, but I I think that pushed me to do even more work as an actor to make sure to bridge that gap and make sure to um, not try to copy or emulate, but pay homage to that original voice.
0: And I, th- I love how you kind of broke that down for us, like what that transition period would look like from like, you know, paying the homage and like listening and learning probably like the cadences and the inflections and certain points of their performances. And then like being able to, like you said, pay homage to it, but I mean, eventually it kind of becomes your own. You know what I mean? You can you can make it your own thing. And one thing I really love about Boma in, you know, Dragon Ball Super now, I mean, A, they use her much more than they do for specific spells during Dragon Ball Z. So to have her around more consistently is awesome. But she's uh she's known to just like fly off the handle and tell people how it is. And she has like these great big moments that allow you to really shine as a voice actress.
1: It's been really great. Like, I always say that once the Boo saga of Kai came around, that's where I really started to feel comfortable to kind of branch out and kind of do Monica's take a little bit more. But Super was the first time that I'm like, okay, let's get in there. What are we going to do? And uh, she's become such a dynamic character. She's always been um, an interesting character and a great, you know, role model. Well, maybe not in Dragon Ball, but a good role model. (laughs) But... In Super, just to watch her growth. And I think she came into my life at a time when I needed to be reminded that I can be a strong woman. And so I kind of feel like I've grown with her, especially during Super. There was a lot of uh, learning and growing. And um, she's just such a really fascinating, multifaceted character. And it's so great to get to breathe life into that.
0: And what I like about it too, and it kind of transitions to my next question here, is um, you you do the redub for Kai, then you have the first Dragon Ball Super Battle of God, or Dragon Ball Z Battle of Gods movie, you have the revival of F, uh, the return of Frieza. So you have those two movies, and then just around the time the Frieza movie comes out, they reveal that in July of that year, Dragon Ball Super is coming back as a series, uh, you know, weekly series, and I have to be honest. I remember when it happened thinking to myself, like what a time to be alive. Little kid me would be so happy right now. If he knew that I have a new Dragon Ball to watch every single week. Uh, What did you think when they made the return announcement for the series? And were you probably locked in at that point to be Bulma, right?
1: At that point, I think, yeah, after that first battle of gods movie, they were like, all right, cool. Um, The series was totally unexpected. Um, Chris and Sean might've had some idea, but I had no clue. And so getting to, to do that, it it was just so great. And also from like a lady's perspective, you know, their whole Vegeta-Bulma relationship just kind of popped up out of nowhere. And they were like, surprise, they're together. We have a kid. You don't know how it happened. Um, (laughs) Chris and I even joked for a while about having like a faux wedding at conventions just to like get it out of people's systems, you know, like here they're married or whatever. It makes you happy. But getting to watch the progression of their relationship in in Super and it's just, it was just such a great moment because people were so hyped about the new movie and then here came this new series and then we're learning so much more about these characters that we already love and they're showing personalities and sides of themselves that we had not seen before. Um, and that's exciting. You know, when you get, it's like a, a buddy you've had for 20 years and all of a sudden you see, oh gosh, they're actually... I care about their family and that's a side of him I've never seen before in 20 years. Like, yeah, it was just really, really cool to experience that.
0: I think you just, you just hit on something that I talked about a few weeks ago on an episode about, you know, a lot of people will, you know, dig on Dragon Ball because you know, the plot isn't exactly anything groundbreaking. It's big, strong dudes beating the crap out of each other. Let's be real. But I I'd said to myself in that episode or whoever I was talking with, The one thing that I I think keeps me coming back to Dragon Ball is the dynamic between the characters and how those relationships and the dynamics between them change over time. And one of the best parts about Dragon Ball Super to me, being a Vegeta fanboy through and through, but (laughs) depending on the day, I'm a Goku fanboy or a Trunks fanboy as well. So um, one of my favorite things about Vegeta's character, and uh, there is some retread for him a, a little bit, but one thing that's pretty new or I'm happy they expounded upon Was his relationship with Bulma. And you get to see him be like a caring husband and a caring father to some extent. He still has like that Vegeta arrogant, you know, um, guard up and he looks mean and pissed off all the time. But I mean, that my Bulma moment when he decides, uh, you know, to forego the tournament of power to, you know, watch his baby be born, he takes trunks to an amusement park, all sorts of things you'd never expect out of Vegeta. And it's because he loves his wife and his family so much.
1: It's so cool to see it. And I think that you are 100% correct. I tell people all the time, like my love of Dragon Ball comes from those characters. Like at this point, I feel like I could watch them go to the grocery store and I would be completely <laughs> enamored with the situation. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they could go to the <laughs> Washeteria and I'd be like, yes, this is awesome. Just because they're they they're so fleshed out. They're our friends now. They're not just these characters that we watch. They're people that we can identify with. Um, and I do think that that's a big part of why Dragon Ball has had this lasting Uh, fandom and this lasting impact on the uh, not just the anime community but society as a whole is because these are endearing characters yeah you know they might power up for you know three episodes to have one fight but that's okay because once they start talking and and doing all the fun things like we get to see those facets of their personality that we really can connect with
0: absolutely so again this has been an episode in development for over three years now so Uh, I did take my questions from back then and sort of repurpose them for this sit down today with a few extra ones, obviously. But you, at that point in time, had recently done the dubs for the episodes that ended up being Harumi final performance as Bulma. Um, Did you ever have the opportunity to meet her or do you have any stories you could share about her or like how her performances might have, you know, directed you on your Bulma decisions?
1: Oh, this is so it's such a hard topic because this is a human that, unfortunately, I never got the opportunity to meet Hiromi. I met several of the Japanese Dragon Ball cast, but for whatever reason, she just, we were never in the same place. I don't know if she just didn't come to the States much. Um, but I felt like I knew her because for, for years, she's been in my cans, she's been in my headphones. Um, and to me, especially with Super, um, it became... She was my springboard, right? There, there wasn't a Tiffany. There wasn't anybody before. So she, I relied so heavily on her to get where Bulma was going, uh, to understand what was happening to her. Um, so I spent a lot of time listening to her. And if you think about all the video games and all, it's a lot of time listening to a voice that you you start to, to know so inherently that like I could almost, even though I don't speak Japanese, I could almost tell how she was going to read a line, if that makes sense. Um, so you have this connection with this human that you've never met. And I tell you what, I've never had someone's passing affect me as much as that one did. Because even though I didn't know her personally, we have this strange connection through Bulma. Um, and I have to say Aya Hisakawa, who is the new Bulma is fantastic. She's been in the industry forever. I really hope that I get the opportunity to meet her But there was something about Hiromi, probably because it was the first voice that I heard and the first voice that I got accustomed to. That when she passed, it really I remember that that last uh, scene that we did that was her last scene, and it was such a pivotal moment too in the show. Like it was such a special moment in the show. But then to have to 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 there were tears. There were tears. (laughs) I don't know how else to say it. There were a lot of tears because like I said I was attached to this human that I didn't know and while Aya is fantastic her voice is different she's a different human it's going to sound a little different and so it wasn't that it was jarring the first time I heard Aya it was just it wasn't heroine and that was hard that was hard to deal with um especially like finding out how she passed and it was so sudden and um all I could do, you know, I did a post talking about, you know, what she meant and, and wishing her all of the best and, and for fans to rally around her because she was such an incredible talent. And all of these Dragon Ball, uh, say have devoted, you know, the last 40 years to, to this, this, this thing. I mean, meeting in Nozawa-kun was fantastic and she's just such a sweetheart. And, but when you look at her, you're like, oh my gosh, this is your life. This is This is your legacy. Um, And so, yeah, it was, it was a big moment for me, but I'd never experienced as an actor that kind of personal attachment to another actor that I had never met. I'd really hoped that someday we would have had the opportunity to sit down and be like, okay, what is your process? Like, how do you get into the mind of Bulma? And this is how I get into the mind to see if we're on the same page. Um, Here's hoping that I will get the opportunity to do that with,
0: Ayahisakawa someday, but
1: Kirumi is uh, is very missed, and uh, she was stellar. She was absolutely
0: stellar. She truly was great. And at the time Mm -hmm. when it happened, we did a whole episode on it, and I cut in the audio there of those last lines. And it's like when they're on their way to the tournament of power, so she's bidding them goodbye. She's saying
1: goodbye. She's saying goodbye to the
0: fighters of Universe Seven. But it's like we know this is the last episode, and. Ooh, man, it hits you like a ton of bricks when you good luck, everybody. Win for us, whatever the heck she says. It,
1: I mean, just oof. you just talking about it makes me want to cry. Cause it yeah. it was, I mean, it couldn't have ended in a more it was the perfect ending, but it was also holy crap, my heart. You know. Um, and I remember I even I believe we had to get that take a couple of different times because they were like, I know that you're upset, but Bulma's actually pretty hopeful so can we take a little bit of that like okay I'm sorry hold on give me a moment let me walk around uh but yeah that was what made it extra hard too is that she was literally saying goodbye and I'm like how do I convey the goodbye that we all know is happening that she wasn't aware of at the time while also being true to what's happening in this moment in Dragon Ball Super um that's it's a lot for an actor sometimes but I I wanted to do the best I could with that because that is her goodbye to, to them. And oh I miss her. I miss her voice. <laughs>
0: I miss her voice. It's a lot for like me as a longtime Dragon Ball viewer. And I'm sure it's a lot to anybody who loves Dragon Ball. But for you as the person who has to put those, you know, those lines of dialogue into English, that's like a whole other plane of, of uh, feeling it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it is. And especially, you know, like we were talking about having characters that you are with for decades. That's. You get really attached and I just didn't realize that I was atta- as attached to my Japanese counterpart as I was until that happened. And it hit me really hard.
0: Well, uh, rest in peace, Harumisudu. Yeah. Um, glad we got to talk about that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That means a lot. Of
1: course. Of course.
0: I thought about taking that one out because it wasn't like time pertinent anymore, but like I just I remember how I felt then and wanted to hear your thoughts on it. So appreciate Oh, and that. I'm
1: so glad that because that to me, you know, having lost many people that I'm close to, I feel like the best way to keep them around in a in a in a way is to remember them. And as long as we're talking about them and remembering them that they're they kind of live on and so I'm happy to talk about her anytime because I want her legacy to live on. You know, I love Aya and I love what she's bringing, but much like with me and Tiffany, I don't want anything I do to outshine Tiffany or overcast Tiffany and vice versa. Like we are both Loma. I love that people come and bring us the pops and Tiffany's on there and I'm on there. That's fantastic. Like there's no animosity there. So I, you know, I love what is doing, but yeah, me was the a, a special part of it.
0: Beautiful. I want to talk more specifically about the character of Bulma and uh, sort of the progression of, of what the uh, of what she's gone through from when we first see her in the beginning of Dragon Ball through Super. Um, you know, her and Goku are in the very first episode, day one uh, characters for Dragon Ball. Uh, and I feel very strongly about the case that, like, yeah, it's Goku show, but you also don't really have a show without Bulma. Like the two of them, like they kind of lead us into this world together. And I don't think that they would be able to do it without the other one. So it's yeah, it's Goku's show great, but he doesn't have a show without Bulma in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) Now Goku's largely stayed the same over the years, but Bulma's gone through a number of different transformations, both, you know, actually within her appearance, but, you know, her general attitude and, you know, how she's been portrayed throughout the series. And in her earlier years, it's, you know, so commonly known. It's it's kind of basically a meme at this point. Uh, she was always really quick to leverage her sexuality to get what she wanted. And, like, we see that also pretty much in the first episode. Like, she realizes yeah. Goku can get hit by a car and take bullets. And she's like, hey, what's up? You want to come protect yeah. me on my quest for the Dragon Balls? <laughs> you know, she's flash- flashing Master Roshi, things like that, very early on. And additionally, like, she's she's pretty boy crazy, too, very early on. like. She will ditch her friends to, you know, go and fawn over the good looking villain of the episode just because he's a a pretty boy, whether that be Yamcha or uh, Purple or whoever it is. She just kind of bails on her friends. So that's like early Dragon Ball Bulma. But then by the time that the Cell games rolled around and kind of going forward from there, Bulma kind of operates. I mean, I guess even previous to that, too, but she really operates more as like a plot device in a lot of senses and Z as like a scientific or like uh, a monetary way out of situations. It's like, Oh no, how do they get out of this one? Mom is literally the smartest, richest woman in the world. And that's largely how they continue to portray her through the end of Dragon Ball Z into Dragon Ball super. And um, I I think in Dragon Ball super, she's got such tremendous moments where she's not just that. She's also somebody who stands up for people or stands up to people that could literally like flick her into oblivion. But because she feels very strongly about things one way or another, she doesn't stay silent about things. She makes sure that her thoughts are heard on things. I I love moments like that for her. And like we talked about before, some of those genuine moments of affection between her and Vegeta. So that's all a long preamble to ask you this question. Do you think Boma was written inappropriately in the original Dragon Ball or do you think that her doing whatever she needs to do in order to get things done reinforces the idea of the strong female in the Dragon Ball world?
1: It's a very good question. Um first of all, I would say that Dragon Ball is also a sign of the times, right? It was a different time period where we were totally okay with a young girl flashing an old guy. That might not work right now. Right. Um <laughs> But I think that there's something to be said for that. But also, if you think about young women, um, and I have this experience, obviously you don't. So let me fill you in on young women. Not all young women, but some of us uh, get a little boy crazy. And unfortunately, the boys sometimes come before your friends when you're young and stupid. So to me, her behavior back then was kind of what you would expect from a young beautiful woman who was trying to get her way she was manipulative and she did whatever she had to do to get to what she wanted um I don't think it was inappropriate considering the time period and everything that you know she was going through did it go too far sometimes sure but a lot of that was for storytelling right um I do think that watching her growth, like where she started, I believe that they had to kind of start her in a place like that in order for her to have the character development that she's had over the course of the series and the manga. Um, there's so many characters that I can think of that are kind of follow this similar path where they start out as either, you know, the brat or, you know, the character that you're not sure that you're like, because they're kind of annoying. And then all of a sudden, by the end, you're like, oh, my gosh, this character has come so far. Look at them. They're a completely different person. And I feel like Bulma has definitely had that trajectory. Of course, in the beginning, she wanted the Dragon Balls because she wanted a boyfriend. Like, it was all about boys, 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 boys. Um, and I think you're right. Like she kind of took a back seat for a while. Uh, my fiance likes to call her the Iron Man of Dragon Ball because, you know, she's got the money, the smarts. She just doesn't have the suit yet, which I'm like, maybe someday I'll get to go to fight.
0: Maybe, uh, maybe.
1: <laughs> maybe I doubt it. She'd probably be like, no, here's the suit. Y'all go fight. Y'all have yeah, fun. good luck. I'll uh, be over
0: here in my secret yeah. bunker or whatever.
1: <laughs> Waving from afar. Yeah. Um, but I do think that, She definitely uses her feminine wiles, especially in Dragon Ball, to get her way. And one of the things that I love in Super was that kind of callback to that when, you know, the whole world is is breaking down and she's like, I'm gonna go flirt with him. Let's see how this works.
0: Yeah. The moment with Zamasu. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't work out. And you can kind of see that she's offended. Like, well, this used to work for me. So I love that they kind of called that out. Like she still, she tried this tactic that she used to use and it's just not working anymore. Like, sorry, Bulma, like those days are gone. But yeah, I don't know that it was inappropriate so much as, you know, different cultures, different societal times. Um, And also she was a young, dumb girl and she just was boy crazy. And sometimes, unfortunately, like I said, when you're a boy crazy young girl, sorry, friends, I'll catch you on the flip side, but I'm gonna go hang out with this dude. It's not right. And you learn that when you get older. But at the time, you're like, my world revolves around this person. Um, And yeah, and her flashing Roshi and all that, like certainly that, you know, it's a little questionable. But it got got her what what she wanted, right? Got her what she needed at the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. It was a means to an end in that moment. And you know what? She is a person who is uh, inherently a problem solver. That's how she solved the problem that day.
1: (laughs) Exactly. That's when she was younger. She was a little more, a little less cautious about, you know, she could use her sexuality to solve problems. As she got older, she got a little more like, maybe that's not a good idea.
0: She's like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm really smart. I should probably just use my brain some more.
1: Let's use these other tactics that are way better.
0: (laughs) I'm 16. I invented the dragon radar. Maybe I should probably work on that alley of uh, using my brain.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Instead of chasing after boys. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, you know, it happens.
1: It does.
0: Thank you for outlining the, how you feel about that because I, I feel like um,
1: yeah,
0: I feel like a lot of people will point back to that because it is just such a meme, and they're like, "Oh yeah, Dragon Ball, so pervy." It's like it's a, it's a sign. Or it's a it's a product of its time. It's a product of its culture, and that yes. culture or this, you know, IP started in 1984. So
1: totally different time you know like I think about things that we did 10 years ago and kind of cringe like 1984 like whoo, that was that was a long time ago so yeah yeah it's trying to keep that in mind although I do warn like the parents that come through and they're like I'm gonna show my kids all of Dragon Ball and I'm like maybe start with Z you know like maybe maybe don't start there because I think that maybe it's a little more questionable than you remember so before you sit down your four-year-old and let them watch this maybe maybe don't
0: <laughs> yeah that's not the that's not the route my parents took they were like oh you want to watch this cartoon there you go <laughs> exactly <laughs> i always make yeah. the opposite <laughs> recommendation personally i'm like no, you start from the beginning you need to see them as kids so you can appreciate them as adults people who skip to z right away they're cheaters they're cutting halfway through the line but i guess when you think about it from that perspective like yeah
1: but when it's kiddos it's like, um, Actually, no, no, they probably don't need to see some
0: of <laughs> Why don't you just watch My Hero Academia instead? Exactly. That's what I say. <laughs>
1: right.
0: So, uh, yeah, kind of coming full circle on Bulma a little bit. We got to see her as she starts in OG Dragon Ball and what she eventually, um, you know, continues to or, or progresses into in Dragon Ball Super. I don't know, Dragon Ball Super and like the greater fandom sometimes it's like, oh, it's a rehash, it's just a nostalgia grab. And like, yeah, I, I get it, but I think I like Dragon Ball Super so much because it does a wonderful job of combining like the comedic aspects and like the really like the martial arts based aspects of the original Dragon Ball, and still including like the sci-fi, uh, crazy you know out of uh, out of the universe, different planet, alien invasion kind of stuff that Dragon Ball Z has. It marries them pretty well into Dragon Ball Super. It's not like one or the other. Like I feel like when OG Dragon Ball wraps up, DBZ is a completely different thing in a lot of respects. The comedy doesn't kind of start to trickle back in for me, at least until like Mr. Satan shows up and, you know, in the cell games, and then it kind of kicks it up to 11 again when the boo arc happens. Right. Dragon Ball Super has been consistent with that. And, uh, I, I just, I appreciate what that is as a series. And I love that they've given your character an opportunity to continue to develop into, uh, you know, a stronger, better version of herself. Right. But, we do. We do know the story's carrying on right now within the manga, and that there is a new Dragon Ball Super superhero movie coming out, which I want to ask you about in a second. But what are you hoping for for the future of of Bulma's character? Anything in particular uh, that you'd like to see her do or happen for her in the future?
1: I mean, I love the trajectory she's on right now. She's kind of taken on this maternal. Um, aspect like even though all of the fans are terrified of her which we saw with krillin's nightmare i love that she was there with all the villains by the way it totally cracked me up um but i think she's kind of taken on this maternal role of like you know even in the broly movie they're like okay we got to go do this thing and like not without me like hold on <laughs> we're gonna go shopping and make sure you guys have good coats before we go to this tundra and and okay, at the same mom. time <laughs> right exactly and then but she's also found this strength like uh beerus you know my fiance always jokes he's like you realize you're the first one who laid a hand on beerus like before goku before vegeta i'm like yeah i got slapped for it he goes still doesn't matter bulma was the first one that got on and the fact that she would slap a god of destruction like i don't think that's something she would have done before or like making fun of frieza for the way he
0: right
1: (laughs) things like that i've loved to see her growth and i think that You know, watching Dragon Ball, if I was to talk to, say, a 14 year old girl, um, I probably wouldn't suggest watching Bulma and Dragon Ball being like, that's what you need to be just like her. Whereas in Dragon Ball Super, she's become this really great role model, whether or not she meant to be. Um, She's smart. She uh, is intuitive. She is uh, says what she means. She's strong. I really feel like working on super in these films, like I said earlier, like we kind of, I've gained strength by playing Bulma and watching her go through these things. Um, so I hope we continue on that trajectory. I hope that, you know, she is more center focused, Like she has been the last few times. Um, I hope that the I know this isn't me, but I hope the Dell gets, Like, I know she's got a baby, but come on. She's such a badass.
0: Like, let her leave the house. (laughs) She really is. I was thinking about this the other day. Like, Dragon Ball Super does an interesting thing where they're, like, sort of pick out, like, which versions of which characters they want to use within Super. So, like, for example, they grabbed GT adult nerd Gohan and popped him into Dragon Ball Super at the beginning. And they did this weird thing with Adele where even though it's still, like, technically within the Dragon Ball Z timeline, she's just like, yeah, I'm a mom. I don't kick ass anymore. I used to don like a a superhero outfit and go out there and fight crime with like dudes robbing banks and machine guns, but it's cool. I'm just going to sit home and make dinner for my cookies. Yeah. My nerd boyfriend or husband rather. (laughs) I, I don't know. I hope she gets uh, a little bit more respect going forward. I got to say though, I do love the fact that they've uh, in Dragon Ball super, especially like Mr. Satan is the kind of character where they could very easily not have him around ever, but Right. They just continuously find excuses to bring him back around. <laughs> I,
1: love it. I love him. And Chris Rager as, as, as Satan is one of my favorite things ever. Like anytime he says anything in that voice, I'm just dead. I'm dead. Uh-huh. It's, it's just hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I love the dynamic that he and Josh have that also mirrors uh, Boo! Yeah. Statement so cute. They, they really are like
0: them. really tight friends. Yes, like they always do their convention appearances together. It's they so
1: do adorable. I'm friends
0: with Chris on Facebook, and he will do like uh like live sessions with Josh, and just they'll just chop it up for like an hour and talk. It's oh, great. Funny. It's good dynamic. They're
1: awesome. I love those too. <laughs>
0: So this has been really great. Um, We're coming up on it, but I I wanted to make sure that I asked you one last question that I don't know how much you're going to be able to speak to it or not, but you know, my fans might give me a little bit of a problem if I don't make the ask. Okay. Oh, I think I know what's coming. (laughs) Dragon ball, super superhero. Have you gotten into the booth yet for anything? Is there anything you can tease or share with us about the upcoming film? Because April 22nd in Japan, I'm assuming like an early, maybe midsummer release, hopefully, for uh, America. I don't know, but what's going on? Have you gotten in the booth yet?
1: I have not. I have not. That doesn't mean that there's not stuff happening, but I have not personally gotten into the booth yet. Um, I was there for the New York Comic-Con panel announcement. Um, They had Toye had Ian and I go out and we got to see, you know, the big premiere and and the, the new trailer and all that kind of stuff and got to see Bulma's new character design. And it was very, very exciting. And I'm super stoked and I'm super excited. Um, the thing that I always tell Dragon Ball fans, and it's very true, is that we are usually the last to know anything. <laughs> um, I think Toye has realized that we get really excited about it and we're not always very good about hiding that excitement. So if somebody goes, Hey, is there going to be a new Dragon Ball movie? And you're like, no. You know, <laughs> they know that we're going to give it away. So they just don't tell us anymore. So we are usually the last to no, know. Sometimes you guys know stuff before we do because they're like, we don't want anybody breaking NDA. Um, but I do know it's coming. I know that we haven't started yet. I know that Bulma's in it. I know she's got a new outfit. I know that there's some brand new characters that are coming along. Um, I know that the Japanese, uh, creators that we were talking to over the line, cause we were simultaneously talking to Japan, which by the way, they had an earthquake right before that panel and you would never have known it because they were all like, Hey, whatever. It's an earthquake. I'm sitting there. Really?
0: Like, I remember watching that panel live. Yes! I would have never guessed that.
1: We were terrified because right before the panel we're watching and all of a sudden everything's shaking and they're all just like, Oh, Oh. And then they no big deal i'm like just I can't another imagine. day yeah i can't imagine i would be a basket case i was freaking out for them and they're like no we're fine um but they were all very excited about it so uh i think that there's been just enough of a break of super that we're all like where when is there more please yeah. i want more so i'm really excited to start working on it but it's not happened yet i think to. um you know the merger stuff probably is holding things up a little bit because you know I'm sorry, in terms of this.
0: Funimation and Crunchyroll merger, Funimation and Crunchyroll,
1: you know, because they're they're merging stuff and that there's a lot of paperwork and red tape that I'm sure is involved in that. This is just my speculation. This is not from Funimation or Twain. This is just I, me. Like,
0: I like your speculation though because <laughs> it's very much in line with my own speculation. I remember when that announcement was made and thinking yes. to myself, they're either going to merge into a new thing or Crunchyroll is going to take it over because. Funimation, we love you, but the app interface wasn't that great. Crunchyroll was probably the better of the two. And I thought to myself, conspiracy theory style, back then, like they've they've announced this Dragon Ball Super superhero movie. Great. You know what they're going to do? What would be the best way to kick off this app and like really drive new membership? This is going to be the streaming home uh, concurrently right. of live Dragon Ball Super new episodes.
1: Oh, and, uh, well, I'm sure. Yeah, it'll so, be interesting uh, to that. see. Yeah. I, it'll be interesting to see because um, I, you know, I, for one, like somebody asked my opinion and I was like, well, what because there, there's this misinformation that Funimation is disappearing or Funimation is no more. And that's not the case. It's just that we're all under the same umbrella. And like I explained to this person, it's like, okay, funny and crunchy did the fusion dance. Right. <laughs> um, but instead of taking a new name that nobody knows, they decided to go with the crunchy name and while Funimation, there's a a nostalgia there for that, that name. And it's sad to lose that at the same time, you know, the crunchy, crunchy is so well-known. Like you said, the platforms, things like that. It's like, okay, well, let's just put it all under that umbrella. Nothing has changed for us as far as work-wise. It's the same. We've been doing this for months. You know, we worked with crunchy before too, when we had that merger before or that partnership before. So, right now, it's just kind of like cool. things are different, but I'm sure there's a lot of red tape and and stuff that they have to work through in order to get everything going because it's a it's all Sony, but, you know, it's a different baby umbrella that we're under now. So sure. um it'll be interesting to see, I'm sure we usually end up recording very close to the release, um just because, like when when they say they're working on it in Japan, like I remember working on some of the earlier films, like, Uh, you know, we were working to the point where there weren't even uh, mouth flaps animated yet. Like, it was really interesting to see how that worked. Um, So sometimes we get in the booth like right before the release. So I wouldn't be
0: surprised if, if if it's a little ways yet, but I can't wait. Are you saying that the production company kind of flies by the seat of their pants sometimes with how they put stuff out? Well, no,
1: I don't want to say <laughs> that. I will say that um, I think that sometimes there's a need to get the material out while there's still fine tuning happening, if that makes sense. So like, I know that there's been times where there'll be animation, but it's not, it's like key animation. It's not the full animation. So there's been a couple of times where you'll go in and it's like, Oh, look, there's a spaceship. And it's, but it's like moving kind of. eh, 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 eh. yeah. Um, And then they go back in and fine tune it, but it's nice to have those voices in there as soon as possible. And a lot of times I think um, for our guys, especially like they're so used to doing broadcast, but doing a film is just a whole other level of work for not just writers, but mix engineers and sound engineers and all of those guys. It's a completely different level of work than our day to day. So there's a lot of that to (laughs)
0: <laughs> i love it two more quick questions if you don't mind yes, not at all one of the biggest pieces of dragon ball super superhero in terms of the promotion at this point at least amongst fans Goten and trunks they're finally uh growing up a little bit um I know. how do you feel well, about maybe. how do you feel about that and uh <laughs> what are your hopes for those boys in this upcoming film
1: um i think it's adorable first of all because that's kind of a whole section of trunks that we never got to see like we've seen adults We've seen, so what's in the middle? Here we go. Now we're getting to see it. Um, I love the idea that those actors, both the Seiyu and the English voice actors are going to get the opportunity to kind of figure out what preteen trunks is like and what these preteen boys are like. Um, so I think as actors, that's going to be a lot of fun for them. I hope that they get a little more screen time because I know in the past movies, it's been like, hey, we're here. And then they disappear forever. So I hope that they, as they get older, they're even more involved in what's going on. Um, but for me, it was just so cool to see, you know, as a mom, to <laughs> see like, oh, hey, look at little preteen trunks there. Isn't he adorable? So I'm excited about seeing them in
0: action. I think it'll be fun. I cannot wait for their inevitably botched fusion. I just wonder <laughs> if it's, I think it's going to be a fat tank. So I'm not sure if that's confirmed <laughs> or not through character sheets, but... Uh, looking forward really? to it one way or another. Yes. Um, and then the last question I wanted to ask you, and it's because you referenced it earlier, and I, I really just want to know what it's like or what she is like. Masako Nozawa. I, I love this woman. I am firmly of the opinion that the Japanese government should allocate all the resources they need to to elongate that woman's life for the rest of time. She's, she's the voice a, of Goku. She's a treasure. She must be protected at all costs.
1: I mean. <laughs> what was it so- like to meet her? Oh my gosh. It was such an honor. Um, we did, you know, for the Broly movie, we went to New York comic-con and did this big panel that um, for whatever reason, Funimation was like, do you want to host this panel? And I'm like, I'm going to die, but yes,
0: yes. You did a great job at that panel. We covered it at the time. That was a pretty, um, Notable panel given the timeline, but you did a wonderful job with that.
1: (laughs) Thank you. It was it was so much fun to do. It was it was a lot of pressure, but it was a lot of fun. But getting to meet, you know, some of the creators and then getting to meet, oh, I can't even express to you. Like the first night, you know, she had a crew with her, of course, you know, people that were there, managers and stuff, I'm sure. And you know, you don't want to just walk up to somebody like that and be like, Hi, I'm Monica. How are you? Right. Um, but everybody was introduced and it was very sweet. But the next day, oh my goodness, Kyle. So we're all doing press, right? And so Sean and I are hanging out. And I see Nozawa-san come in and I wave. And I heard, a my son! I about <laughs> died. I was like, ah. So they all came over and all of her team are there. And they're like, oh, can we take selfies? I'm like, yes! Yeah. Oh my god, this Boma! So every time now somebody says Boma, all I hear is Nozawa. It's put on in my head like Boma, son! I'm like, I will know. I had such a fangirl moment. I was trying to play it cool, like, oh hi, yeah. I about died. <laughs> I about died. Wow. Um, she is a delight. She is absolutely just a delightful a lady and she's spunky and I hope when I get her age that I have one tenth or one one hundredth of the energy and charisma that she has because when she walks in a room even though she's this tiny lady you just feel the energy and you feel um her kindness like she just is so warm and kind and I just cannot say enough good things about nozala because she is just she's delightful. She's delightful. I hope every Dragon Ball fan gets the opportunity to meet her or see her speak at some point because she is just—you know—sometimes you see good people and you know right off the back, like that is a spectacular human being, and that is definitely Nozawa. She's
0: that's the energy. Right. That's the energy she yes. radiates for sure. I love, yes. I love that we've got current day Goku and that she's so like happy to be Goku, like. She after all
1: of these years, I mean, yeah. I would think that you know there there would be some kind of like, oh my gosh, again, I've been yelling for all hundred percent,
0: but not no. with her, she's so happy to do it. And like she's, to the point where she'll <gasps> she looks at a camera and she just does a Goku impression and I'm like, wow, I'm watching Goku right now, even though it's like an 85-year-old little Japanese woman. This is Goku, holy crap! At least to yeah. me, like as a, a Japanese watcher, primarily, it's like I, I don't know, seeing those little clips of her and like that story of her across the lobby, like I would freak out if I I ever had something like that happen to me.
1: Wow. I was totally freaking out, but trying to play it cool. There's a lot of that in my line of work, you know, freaking out on the inside and trying to play it cool. Like I'm not a big old nerd, but I'm totally a big old nerd.
0: That's the whole interview for me today. That's been my feeling this entire interview. (laughs)
1: you're so sweet but yeah we nerd out and that was definitely one of those moments that i will never forget for the rest of my life because that was huge she probably didn't even realize what an impact it had but it it was huge for me it was huge
0: that is so cool thank you for sharing that with me (laughs)
1: of course
0: one of these days i hope to get to meet her but i don't know man please
1: Please, even if you have to fly over to Japan and just like stand in the street, go like, why did it smell so good?
0: I'm sure that won't look weird at all. Me just like (laughs) hanging outside the headquarters (laughs) of (laughs) Toei.
1: Yeah, it might be a little weird. That might be a little weird. But if you ever get the opportunity, please, all of you, Dragon Ball fans, if you ever get the opportunity, I highly suggest she's just a phenomenal human being.
0: I hope so. (laughs) All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of this very special episode of Dragon Ball Super. Dope. Thank
1: you so much for having me.
0: No, thank you so much for finally, you know, <laughs> yeah. we managed to schedule the time and I really appreciate the extra time today. Um, of course. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, the Super Superhero movie. How do you feel about that title? Is that too much for you, too? I hate saying Dragon Ball Super Superhero.
1: I, I, I feel like there could have been one less super. Dragon Ball Super Heroes? Yeah. yeah.
0: So much to the point that all of the producers that are working on the movie are like, yeah, we know it's kind of a silly name, but we picked it and we rolled with it. So that's what it's I called mean,
1: now. Dragon Ball, I'm sure in Japanese, it's probably a lot cooler than it is in English. Like Dragon Ball Super Superhero? No.
0: Okay. No, no, not really. It's pretty much <laughs> the pretty same, but, but with the Japanese accent.
1: <laughs> I was surprised. I assumed I had always thought it was Dragon Ball Super Heroes. I didn't realize it was Dragon
0: Ball Super Super Heroes not to be confused with super (laughs) dragon ball heroes.
1: Oh my gosh. It all gets like,
0: yeah. Yeah. It's all very confusing
1: and heroes. And oh my goodness. I don't know how you guys keep it straight.
0: I, I just, I just pick my stuff and I focus on that. If I tried to keep up with all of it, my brain would probably explode, but lots of content. Monica Real. thank you so much for joining the show. I appreciate you. And hopefully we'll talk again in the future.
1: Yes,
0: let's make this uh, not a every 3 year kind of thing. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. <laughs> na, 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 not an every 3 years kind of thing. Wow. <laughs> Super dope. Hey, thanks for getting to the end of the episode. I appreciate you checking out the full thing. If this is your first time listening to the show? Please feel free to rate and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places. Uh, Rating the show helps other people find it. Uh, So does uh, sharing it with your Dragon Ball buddies. Dragon Ball buddies. The longer it takes me to say the phrase, the weirder the term gets. Your Dragon Ball buddies. Anyway, I appreciate you hanging out, and I will see you in the next one. Super dope.